Catherine was just singing, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And that's what we have been focusing on over the last six weeks or so. We have been on a journey, folks, with our Lord Jesus Christ. We have visited, visited several places whose names start with the prefix Beth, meaning the house of. We have been to Bethlehem, the house of bread, and we saw sovereignty, subjection, and sonship. Then we went to Beth Abara, the house of the crossing or passage, and we saw humility, deity, trinity, and ministry. Then we went to Bethsaida, the house of nets, where we saw sympathy, sentence supplied, sustenance supplied, storm suppressed, Saints selected, sensitivity and sight. Last week we journeyed to Bethesda, and there we saw the House of Mercy, and we saw, as it were, Siloam, sightless and sent. And we went to Bethpage as well, and we saw the loudness of the crowds. We saw the loosening of the colt. And we saw the lamenting over the city. Jesus wept. Bethpage, the house of figs. Today we're going to going to Bethany. And we will see, God willing, uh, sickness and sadness and sorrow and supremacy and spikenard and sweetness. So please turn to Matthew 21 just for a moment and then we'll turn to the gospel of John. But Matthew 21 and verse 17. Now you'll see in Matthew 21 uh, is where we were last week when the Lord told the disciples to go and unloose the colt, verses 4, 5, and 6. And then they started crying, Hosanna, down to verse 9. Then he came into Jerusalem, verse 10. Then the multitude said, Who is this? Others said, the prophet from Nazareth. Then Jesus went up into the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and so forth. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to the temple and he healed them. Then verse 15 says, And when the chief priests and the scribes saw wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, now this is not the crowds crying in the street, because he said if they would stop, the stones would cry out, Hosanna. But in the temple, when the chief priests and scribes saw wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what they say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thy hast perfected praise? Then verse 17. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and lodged there. So, went to Bethany. Bethlehem the house of bread. Beth Abara, the house of the crossing. 
Bethsaida, the house of nets. Bethesda, the house of mercy. Bethpage, the house of figs. Bethany. There are 11 mentions or 11 references to Bethany in the four Gospels. And the first mention is Matthew twenty-one seventeen, And it's very significant. He left them. He was in the city. He was in the temple. Men and women were praising him. The children were praising him. And of course, the Jews again kicked up a fuss. And they stopped this. Stop this adulation. Stop this praise. And of course, the Lord answers them with the scriptures. Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thy hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. It's very significant. He left them, went out of the city. Out of the great city, Jerusalem, into a little town of Bethany. Jerusalem had neither room nor time for our Saviour. So he went to this little village who made him so welcome each time he went. Of the one that could be said, there they crucified him. Of the other, <laughs> there they made him a supper. Bethany today is known as Betania. But there's no real agreement as to the meaning of the word Bethany. I have read many commentaries, many Bible dictionaries, and they all offer different suggestions. Some say that Bethany means the house of welcome. Others say it's the house of sorrow and affliction. Others say it's the house of singing. While others say it's the house of sweetness. And I understand that today the locals say it's the house of the poor or the house of figs. And to some degree, folks, all of these are true. Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y. Any of these describe what really Bethany stands for. We start off by saying Lazarus. Look, let's turn to John chapter 11. We'll go, we'll go there. John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, it tells us, in verse 1, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus. We'll leave it there for the time being. Verse 2 tells us. Now, verse 2 is in brackets. If you've got a King James Version. Verse 2 is in brackets. So it says, let me read verse 1 again. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, of course, we haven't got to that yet. But John, knowing 
And of course to John, he's writing everything that he had seen and he had heard. And he's just saying here, listen, uh, this is the Mary that we're going to discuss. That we're going to talk about. That, that I'm going to record in chapter 12. And so he's highlighting what has taken place before we get to it. So in John chapter 11 verse 1, Lazarus is sick. In John chapter 11 verse 2, in brackets, it's highlighting what takes place in chapter 12. And we will be looking at that later. But Bethany, Bethany, we don't really know for sure the proper meaning. Now it became the house of sorrow when bereavement came to the house of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, of course. John chapter 11 verse 14 says, Lazarus is dead. We'll look at that. It became the house of sweetness when Mary broke her alabaster box of spikenard for the Savior. John chapter 12 and verse 3. It became the house of singing as the disciples praised God and worshipped. It became the house of the poor because they had no material greatness, no grandeur at Bethany. It was also a place of figs. And our Lord was welcomed there and given something to eat. The whole of John's gospel is absolutely precious as we know. And John looks at the Lord Jesus Christ as deity. That's how he pictures the Lord. Matthew as royalty and so forth. But John sees him as deity. And John's gospel is absolutely precious. Whenever a person gets saved, if I have anything to do with that, and I uh, was able to point people to the Lord, use the scriptures, they would say, well, what, what should I do? I say, read the gospel of John. Read the gospel of John. It's precious. But to me, verses chapter 11 and, uh, and chapter 12 is very precious to the saints. And John chapter 11 is a story, it's of sadness, sorrow. But there's sovereignty and there's sympathy and there's supremacy there also. You know, they seem to be a happy little family. A happy little family until sorrow entered into the home. Their brother Lazarus is sick and they were sad. And let me just say this before we go on, folks. Even the choicest homes and even the godliest of saints are not immune to sickness and sorrow. And we in this church on a Wednesday evening pray for those who are sick. Not just in this church, but in other places also. Even the godliest of saints are not immune to sickness and sorrow. And it seems that the, uh, this particular sickness, in a sense, was compounded by the, the fact that Jesus was not there. He was not with them. And then whenever they told the Lord that Lazarus was sick, the Lord stayed another two days in the place where he was at. And even after that, 
It took him another two days to journey to Bethany. See, the word he got is, he is sick. But whenever he comes back, they say he's been dead for four days. He stinketh. We look at that later. Bethany is just a couple of kilometers from Jerusalem. So, Lazarus was sick. They sent for the Lord. The Lord remained two days where he was. The Lord was another two days in journeying to Bethany. And in the meantime, Lazarus died. And Lazarus was buried. He was entombed. John chapter 11 and verse 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. See, the Lord came to the place where Lazarus was. And what did they say? Take ye away the stone, verse 39. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. Remember that for later. So, the Lord had not come when he was sick. The Lord took four days, as it were, to get there. So, why? Why did the Lord Jesus not drop everything and, and rush to Bethany because his friend was sick and Mary and Martha were beside themselves? What do we learn from this that he maintained there, stayed there for two days and then took an hour two days journeying back to where they were? What do we learn from all this? Well, firstly, we know that he loved them. Therefore, he delayed his coming because his sovereignty and his love had something greater in mind for them than just the healing of a sick brother. Now folks, what he would do and what he did for them was for the glory of God. High true is the saying, now listen, high true is the saying, his delays are not his denials. Let me say that again, it's important. His delays are not his denials. God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says no. If it's not good for us, he may very well say no. Sometimes he'd say yes. And sometimes he'd say wait. But he eventually arrived and what an amazing scene it would have been. The Lord of glory was weeping. What an amazing scene. The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God weeping in the presence of his creation. The Lord of glory is recorded in the shortest verse in our Bible, but it means so much. John eleven thirty five says this. 
Jesus wept. Jesus wept. How appropriate that is. That the creator, the omnipotent God, weeping. And it's recorded in two words. The Lord here was putting into practice, as it were, even before it was written, Romans twelve fifteen, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Now, I understand that the weeping of our Lord Jesus Christ is much different to that of Mary and the Jews. John chapter 11, verse 33 says this, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Number 35, Jesus wept. Now Mary and the Jews, according to the commentaries, and the dictionaries and so forth, and going back to the original language, going back to their original culture, Mary and the Jews were wailing and sobbing as the custom was in those days. They were crying out and wailing and lamenting and sobbing. But according to the original scriptures, when Jesus wept, it was in silence. Our Lord was not wailing and weeping. Jesus wept. It was in silence that the tears flowed down his face. Someone has said the tears of God in the eyes of man. On the one hand, there was sadness and sorrow and sobbing. But on the other hand, there was empathy. He entered into their feelings. There was sympathy for the situation. And it was mingled with sovereignty. As our Saviour comes to Bethany. Our Lord asked the question. Where have you led him? Verse 34. Of course. With his omniscience. He knew exactly. Where they had led him. Have you ever read some of these things and say, well, why does he say these things? He knows. Well, he knows exactly where they led him, but he will always involve his people in his work. And so they take him to the tomb. Verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. He then prays and thanks his father. His prayer was short and to the point. But it was for the benefit of the crowds that stood around. Look at verses 41 to 44. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know, or I knew, that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, 
He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Remember that. Loose him and let him go. Here is the evidence, if you like, of his sonship. He had just spoken to the father and it showed, as it were, his intimacy with the father. And what a sight. This crowd and Mary and Martha were privileged to witness. What a sight. Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth. Would you believe it? Now this man was definitely dead. He was entombed for four days. They said by this time he stinketh. But he that was dead came forth. Folks, what a great picture of our salvation once again. And you hath he quickened who were dead. And you hath he brought back to life who were dead. We were dead in sin. And we were confronted with the Lord Jesus Christ, as it were. And we repented of our sin. And he brought us back to life. You see, whenever we are born, we are born a body, a soul, and a spirit. But ever since the time in the garden, our spirits are dead. So when we are born, we are a body and a soul. And what you see is what you get. And the body we have. And our soul, our intellect, our knowledge, our, everything about us. But our spirit is dead. And it's only when we meet Jesus Christ... And we accept him as our own personal saviour after repenting of our sin that we become a whole person. The body, the soul and the spirit is brought back to life. And you have he quickened. You have he brought back to life who were dead. The body's not dead. The soul's not dead. I am what I am by the grace of God. But the spirit was dead and it was brought back to life. Miraculously. Death and the grave gave up the dead at his word. And Acts chapter 16 and verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Folks, it's a matter of trusting, believing, repenting of your sin and accepting Christ as Savior. He doesn't make it hard. We don't have to do penance like some churches. We don't have to whip ourselves to within an inch of our life. We don't have to go to purgatory and get bought out of purgatory. Listen, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And folks, with all due respect, if you're listening into this message and you're from another church, we're not here to bag other churches. But we're here to preach the word of God as it's taught in the Bible. And you don't need, and there's no need to go to purgatory. It's not even in the Bible. 
You don't need to do penance. You don't need to walk on your hands and knees for a kilometre down the road. All that is not in the Bible, folks. The Word of God says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. Verse 44. Folks, what a demonstration of his supremacy. It is indeed a story of sadness. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus has died. It's a story of sorrow and sympathy. Supremacy and the Savior's service to his servant. Showing his sovereignty. And all this comes just before the the sacrifice and the sweetness which we'll study in the next chapter. But praise God, on verse 45, it tells us this. And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Praise God that many of the Jews believed on him. But if you read further down the chapter, in chapter 11, verse 49, we see the religious people of the day. The religious people of the day. Verse 49 says this, And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all. For consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. And that the whole nation perished not. And this spake he not of himself. But being high priest that year, he prophesied. So he made a prophecy. He prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. And not for the nation only. But that also he should gather together in one the children of God that are scattered abroad. He made a prophecy that Jesus should die for the nation. And so from this time onwards, look at verse 53. From that day forth, they, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, they took counsel together to put him to death. And you would have noticed this during the whole journey. As he left one city to another city to another city, they sought him to kill him. They made plans to slay him. But his time was not yet. And from that day forth, they took counsel together to put him to death. Right through these messages, they wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Bethany. The house of sorrow. Jesus then left Bethany for a short time. Verse 54. John chapter 11. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews. But went thence into a country near to the wilderness. Even or into a city called Ephraim. And there continued with his disciples. So he he left. He left Bethany for a short time. But he went away 
with his disciples. And then in chapter 12, it tells us this. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So he was at Bethany, brought Lazarus back from the dead. Then he went to Ephraim for a short time. Then six days before the Passover, and of course this is leading right up to the crucifixion. Six days before the Passover, he comes back to Bethany. Back to Bethany. So he leaves Bethany, goes to Ephraim, returns to Bethany. In chapter 12 it says, they made him a supper. Look at verse 2. I'll read verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. There they made him a supper. Here we see in this chapter the wonderful fragrance of a home. We will see Mary's sacrifice. We will see Martha's service. It's now six days before the Passover. And it is here that I believe a long-standing desire was fulfilled in the heart of Jehovah God. Many centuries earlier, around about 1,490 years B.C., God had determined to deliver his people from Egypt. Now, we'll not turn to it for the sake of time. But his word to Pharaoh was in chapter 10, Exodus chapter 10, verse 3, Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 9. Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me. Exodus chapter 10 verse 25. Let my people go that they may sacrifice unto me. This was God's desire in the Old Testament. This is what Moses went before Pharaoh about. The Lord God wanted service. The Lord God wanted fellowship. The Lord God wanted worship from his people whom he delivered out of bondage. But sadly, he did not get that fully. He did not fully receive it from Israel, his redeemed people, whom he brought out of bondage, whom he released as it were, whom he said, come forth. They rebelled and disobeyed at every turn. They failed to serve him. They denied him the fellowship he deserved and desired. And they did not worship him as the redeemed people. He said, let my people go. Now in John chapter 12, this is not long after, he said, loose him and let him go. John eleven forty four. I'm referring to Lazarus, of course, being released from his bondage. And we see at Bethany, after the release from bondage, service. John chapter two, 12, verse 2, there they made him a supper and they served him. 
Martha. Martha serves. So they made him a supper. Martha was busy serving. Not seeking. Serving. Not seeking any of the limelight. She just went about her business serving the Lord. As I thought about that, I thought, well, I thought about many of the saints in our church here. Many of the saints in our churches who work tirelessly behind the scenes. Not seeking the limelight, as it were. Not seeking recognition. Not looking for the accolades of men. Just going about the business of serving the Lord. They may even become weary in service. But they never become weary of service. And folks, this is Romans 12.1 put into action. And it's called your reasonable service. Then we see fellowship. So there was a loosing from the bondage. There was a service. And folks, in all that we know, and I'm amazed at this, in all that we know about Lazarus, and in all that's recorded in the scriptures, not once does he say a word. Not once does he speak. Not once is there anything recorded of what he said. Not a word. But we know. We know he kept close to our Savior. John chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. Then six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And they made him a supper. Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Here's a wonderful saint having fellowship with the Lord. Spiritual sustenance. He sat at the table with the Lord. He was there fellowshipping with the Lord, a quiet soul sitting at the table, receiving spiritual sustenance from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we see, loose him and let him go, loose from bondage. We see service from Martha. We see fellowship from Lazarus. And now we see worship from Mary. And what a wonderful example of love and adoration and worship Mary was. John chapter 3, or 12, verse 3, says this Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled. With the odour of the ointment. Here was Mary. At the feet of Jesus. Involved in an act of worship. Folks have we been there? Have we been as it were at the feet of Jesus? In an act of worship? 
prayer and adoration. She broke her box open. One pound of spikenard. I had to do quite a bit of study on this spikenard. A spikenard was pure nard. Now forgive me for this pronunciation if I pronounce it wrong. Spikenard was pure nard from the Nardostachius jatamanse plant. <laughs> Try and say that four times. Okay, it's found in the Himalayas. It's found in Nepal. It's found in China and India. It was very, very costly. It was extremely hard to get. One of the most expensive perfumes of its time. Now, we do not know where Mary got this very expensive spikenard from. But we do know why she kept it. John chapter 12 and verse 7 says this, And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why did he say that? Well, look back to verse 5 and 6. Well, verse 4. Then said one of his disciples, Judas, oh, Judas the thief, okay, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. Judas the thief had it all worked out. He said it could have been sold for 300 pence, 300 denarius. One denarius was equivalent to a day's wage. 300 pence would have been nearly a year's wages. What would that be today? 50,000? Oh, you're saying, well, no, I get a lot more than that. 60,000? $70,000? A year's wage? An expensive gift in anyone's language. Mary Spikenard was pure. It was very costly. It was precious. And the fragrance not only filled the room, but it also filled the house. Ephesians chapter two, 5 verse 2 says this. That he hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. A sweet smelling savour. Oh taste and see that the Lord is good folks. And he has given himself for us that we might be redeemed. So that which Jehovah God had long ago desired was enjoyed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Loose him and let him go. Release from bondage. Service from Martha. Fellowship from Lazarus. Worship from Mary. And Mary is a wonderful example of worship. And sitting as it were at Jesus' feet. And again we haven't got time to go into all this. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 39 it says this. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet. 
and heard his word. In John chapter 11, 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Then in John chapter 12 and verse 3, she is wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. She was learning at his feet. She was weeping at his feet. She was worshipping at his feet. She was at the cross. And she would have been at his feet. Because he was lifted up as it were upon that old Roman gibbet, that old tree. And she would have been there at his feet. She was at the cross. She was at the tomb. And when they opened it up, she would have been at his feet. And truly she loved and worshipped our Lord Jesus Christ. Now just a couple of little things before I close. She did not keep this spikenard until the Lord's actual death and burial. Perhaps she understood more than most others at the time, believing he would rise again. Listen, she did not even use it on her brother Lazarus. Because her love for the Savior was above that of her love for family, even for her brother Lazarus. And if she had used it on her brother's body, maybe even a little of it, then she would not have been able to say, he stinketh. Because the spike nard would be there. She had kept it for this purpose. And she was not going to be cheated out of this opportunity to pour out her love upon the Savior. It's no wonder to me, and I've preached on this before, it's no wonder to me that when he rose from the dead that he appeared unto Mary. The one who proved her love to him. And then of course, when it was time was come to leave this earth and return to glory, the Gospel of Luke 24 and verse 50 says this. He led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. The place that made him so welcome. While many other places had no time for him. And they rejected him. It was a long journey from Bethlehem, the house of bread. To Bethabara, the house of crossing. To Bethsaida, the house of nets. To Bethesda, the house of mercy. To Bethpage, the house of figs. To Bethany, the house of welcome, sweetness, service, fellowship, and worship. A perfect pathway for the perfect man who never ceased to be God. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for thy word. I do pray, Lord, that as we have gone through this little series on the best, that each and every one of us might have been drawn closer to yourself. We pray, Lord, that if there should be any that's listening in, even 
of our own church, even from another church, even those who don't go to church. And maybe they're not saved. And I pray, Lord, that as they read the Word of God, and as they listen to the Word of God, and as they listen to these messages, not just from me, but from Pastor Jacob and different other ones in this church, that they might come to a realization that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. May it be that they would accept Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And we ask this in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.